in. They have been uh, talking about pulling down strongholds, and uh, they have been imparting some really good wisdom um, into us. Amen? Amen. So I pray that your spirits and your hearts are ready to receive what the, word, what the Lord has to say on this morning, and that uh, you receive something that's going to change your life and uh, assist you as you go throughout this week, this upcoming week. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand and receive them, please. Thank you. All right, while we're still standing, and I don't have mine with me again, but we're going to ask everyone to raise their tablets, their Bibles, whatever it is they use to study the Word of God. And let's say this and understand that it is true. We need to believe it because it's true. Let's all say this together. This is my Bible. I believe what it says. It has the power to transform my faith, my family, and my future. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Bible also tells us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for this time to come together. Lord, to share some of the concerns that people have written in about and, and ask and want just a little more clarity. So we're going to delve into the word and give practical application as well as scriptural background. Lord, we never want to just come off the cuff. We want to use wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing, but in all of our getting, we want to get an understanding. So we thank you, Lord. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we get Pastor Robert the black mic? Um, and then also, can we turn the Yes. Can we turn the house lights up and turn the spotlight off? Thank you. Whatever you want to do. He said he wanted to be beside me this morning. <laughs> I want to be beside you too. All right. Praise the Lord. Um, last week we... We started out on um, pulling down strongholds, and we talked about financial strongholds. We talked about um, low self-esteem. We talked about depression. We talked about a, uh, uh, at least four different, um, four different strongholds that we needed to pull down. Um, and how many of you received from that on last, last Sunday? Anybody receive? Anybody? All right. Uh, learned how to pull some financial burdens down. We talked about hopelessness, pulling down the strongholds of hopelessness. Well, we're going to pick up this week with pulling down the strongholds of, of selfishness, betrayal, and wrong accusations. Anybody ever experienced any of those selfishness? All right. Y'all, y'all awake on this morning? Hallelujah. Anybody been betrayed? All right. And has anybody ever, ever experienced somebody wrongly accusing you? Yes. I know. Amen. Praise God. So we're going we're gonna to start off with uh, selfishness on this morning. 
Selfishness is the attitude of being concerned about your interests above the interest of others. So in other words, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever, whatever your desire is, it is put up above and being more concerned about it than the interest of others. And so, every, you know, we might say, well, that's okay. There, it moves into an area to where you will forsake everybody else and forsake whatever it is that anybody else is doing in the interest of anyone else. And you will try to push and to move your interest above anything. Does come, come whatever, come what may, it doesn't matter. Your interest is the priority at that particular time. So moving, and that is the definition, it's an attitude. Your attitude, what is your attitude? Whatever you're doing right now, what is your attitude? If, if someone came to you today and said, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, is what you're doing so important that you don't have the mindset to say, well, no, I can stop what I'm doing because your, your, your interest and what you have is more important than what I have going on. That, that's what selfishness, uh, that's when we move into the area of selfishness, when we have the attitude, no, I can't stop what I'm doing. Pastor. And the key is, is um, just being sensitive to the situation, to what that person's needs are, or what that person's desires are, what your desires are. Um, because there are times when we can't stop what we're doing, you know, and drive across town to help someone else when, you know, um, there may be other means, other measures. But truly, we know when we're in a selfish mode. I mean, some things you don't have to have somebody point out to you. You know when you're being selfish because you say, I deserve this. It's my time. I've been trying to get this done, whatever the reason. But it's a matter of we have to be sensitive to what God is telling us to do at a time. And notice, the, notice that word in selfishness, self. It's all about me. Self. It's about me. What I'm going through, what I'm dealing with, what I want, where I got to go, self. Me. All about me. You know, we all say it's me time. You know, um, but is me time so great that you forsake everything and everybody else? So, Pastor Robert, you want to? Okay. So our first point underneath selfishness is we want to practice patience and understand that things don't always have to be our way. Mm. Practice patience. Okay. If you're in traffic... And I just, I love talking about driving because that's just, that's, <laughs> that's his hobby. That's my hobby is driving. So, you know that when you pull up to that light and there's like 40 cars in front of you, you know that it's going to probably take three or four times for the light to change before you get through it. So don't get in the turning lane and then get to the front of the line and then act like, oh, excuse me, can you let me in? I'm He's in the talking wrong. about me, y'all. Who knows that but you? I'm telling so, on myself. So we have, to, we have to understand that everything is not going to go your way. You, you see it time and time again. Then they know it's payday and they only got three registers open. Okay, so what is your complaining going to do? 
What is your complaining going to do? That's the time for us as believers to step up and say, you know something? And I remember it happened uh, earlier this year. And people were like, oh, man, they ain't got enough registers open and all that. I said, well, maybe some people called in sick. And one of the managers ended up coming around and was like, hey, go to register such. Go to this line. Go to this line. And she said, boy, she said, all these people called in sick today. So we have to understand that, that yes, God is a way maker, miracle worker. He can do all of those things. But God is also saying, but I need you to do some things, too. I need you to let your light shine. I mean, <laughs> we can't slide in with the world and, like, let some, some of them four letters, whatever. What's that word? How do you say explicit? Explicit. Explicitive. We can't let them slide out and then it's like, oh, uh, excuse me, I go to open altar. Come to go to church with me. Wait a minute, weren't you the one that just was raising H-E double hockey sticks a minute ago? Anyway, next one. I I wanted to chime in on what Pastor Robert was saying, and that falls in line to what we were talking about last week. Out of all of your fussing, out of all of all of what you're doing and worrying, does it add any seconds or any one day to your life? Does it really matter? No, it don't. So, and, and a lot of times because of we're, we're walking in that mode, we talked, about, um, uh, we talked about anxiety and being anxious. And there are times that we make our own self anxious for, for no reason at all. When we would just sit back and chill out and say, you know what, it ain't about me right now. You know, sometimes, hey, you you may have one item in the grocery line and that person behind you have 10, but not only that, they have a crying baby. Is it about you or would you be willing to say, you know what, ma'am, you can go ahead of me. You can go ahead of me. I'm okay. And just be, that's what not being selfish is about. Letting someone go else go before you. Go ahead, Pastor. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall they also yes. reap. And God is not one to say, well, you know something? You've been doing good. So let's just go ahead and take that F you got, and we'll just get an average overall. And I'm a, that's going to give you a B at the end of the day. God's like, no, you didn't pass that test. You're going to have to take it again. And you're going to keep taking that test until you pass it. So, you know, you can like, as you know what we do. When the lines are long in the front, we go back to the electronics. <laughs> so, so stop taking, like, what you mean you can't scan these potatoes? <laughs> you got 20 items in electronics. Yeah, you got 20 items. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but, I mean, just we just have to learn. Yeah. We have to learn. Yes, amen. Okay. Um, It says, recognize that our selfishness is bent, shaped, and twisted around our own rationales of why our preferences are reasonable and right. Do y'all understand that? In other words, we rationalize with ourselves that this is what we deserve. This is what, within our own minds, we're saying, I don't care. This is what's right. You've already... You've already thought the whole conversation out. You've already thought what that person is going to say, what that person is going is going to do. And in your mind, you're saying what I'm thinking is right and nothing else. What anybody else feels, what anybody else is thinking, it doesn't matter because I'm right. And it says we insist our way is right 
Ain't nobody else has the answer. And there's sometimes that I, I will tell, uh, can't use that one because. He said, go ahead. There's sometimes that Pastor Robert will, will say. You reap what you sow. Go ahead. <laughs> there's sometimes that he'll be like, no, you meant this. And I know what I meant. And, but he's, he's insisting that what he's saying is right. And it's like at that particular point, I'm like, well, you know what I'm thinking. Then go ahead on and say it. But he's dead wrong. That's not what I meant. That's not what I intended. But because in his own mind, he already figure out, figured out this is what you meant. This is what you did. And sometimes there's some intense fellowship between the two of us. Because he's insisting that what he's thinking is right. And I know what I'm thinking is right. And so there's intense fellowship. And until one of us decides that, wait a minute, it ain't worth it. And so then I'll be like, well, okay, you, you believe what you, you choose to believe what you want to believe. And I know what I'm going to believe. And, what I, and that's where we really get to. So did I, did I do all right with that one? That's okay. We drove separate cars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and the, the end of the day is when we lay our heads down mm-hmm. is we have to answer to God Amen. at the end of every day. And if, it's, and if it really means you being right, if that's, if that's what you feel that you have to do, then there's a way that seems right unto, unto yes. man. But in the end are the ways of destruction. Or one translation says in the ways of death. So if you feel like you have to have your way, then... By all means, do what you have to do. The scripture that comes to mind, too, it says, seek peace and pursue it. So is you having your way creating um, uh, contention? Is you having your way in what you think or what, or what you, even in your own self, it's like, is, are, are what you trying to, is what you're trying to do or, or where you're trying to go and you've already rationalized it in your own mind. Is it creating havoc? Is it creating dissension? Is it creating all of that? Then you may need to take a step back and say, wait a minute. Am I, am I really, you know, am I really in the right? Or, or do I really need to proceed down this path? Am I walking in selfishness? Because the Bible says to seek peace and pursue it. So we got to all at all times pursue peace, seek it. What is the peace in this situation? Where is there any peace? If there's no peace, let me seek the peace and then do what it takes to pursue that peace and to keep peace in every situation. Okay. Now, remember, we're talking about pulling down strongholds. And we can pray and we can pray. And even as the disciples came to Jesus, like, why couldn't we cast this demon out? He said, some things only come by prayer and fasting. Yes. But then other things is the ball's in your court. It's for us to do, to see these strongholds come down. Mm-hmm. And we can pray and pray and pray. And God's like, well, you know, I'm trying to teach you something here. I'm trying to show you something. But you keep wanting me to change everything mm. in your life. But you don't want to let me change your life. Yes. So, and even as the scripture says, humble yourself. Yes. We're not, we can't pray. We can't, one thing, there are several things in the Bible we can't pray for. One, 
We can't pray for faith. You don't pray for faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We, you, we hear people pray that. We hear people sing it. You know, I heard a song the other day, and I had to change the channel because I'm like, that's, I mean, I don't get bent out of shape all, you know, like, oh, that song ain't scripture. Oh, that song ain't scripture. I don't do that. But this song just kept saying, increase my faith, Lord, increase my, or something like that, or give me more faith. <laughs> faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's scriptural. You can't ask God, you know, Lord, make me humble. Because God, you don't want God to make you humble. Please, just like we don't pray, Lord, give me patience. Because he will put it on you. <laughs> the floodgates of heaven will open. And so being selfish is, I mean, selfishness is just something we have to see in ourselves. You know, it's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, if I'm being selfish, I need you to show me how not to be selfish. Mm-hmm. And, and David talked, David prayed that prayer. He said, you know, search my heart, know my ways. If there be anything in me that's not like you, take it out. Lord, I, I surrender myself. Search me, God. And so when you show it to me, let me be willing to surrender it to you. Because in the end, we're going to be better. We want to be like Christ. We want to be like our Heavenly Father. We want to be loving. And as Pastor Robert had said earlier, we want to be attractive to those who are around us. And to be attractive is to allow God to, let, let, to show us our ugliness so that he can prune it and get it out of there. So let's look at the next point on on dealing with selfishness. We have to resist the desire to be right. We have to resist the desire and the right to be right. There are times that we know that we're right. And and we have to resist that desire. Um, I worked in the court system for many, many years. And there were times that... um, the defense attorney would have the accused, would have the defendant to, to say something on his behalf. He would take the stand in, in the, the prosecutorial stage when they would be laying out all of the evidence. But in many cases, in many cases that I did, the accused never took the stand. He never took the stand. He let the evidence speak for him or her. And so the thing is, we have to resist the desi- our desire um, and the right to be right. Sometimes we just got to keep our mouth closed and let God show. Let, let, the, let the evidence speak for itself. Don't say a word. Don't open your mouth. Don't go and try to say, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm going to let the evidence speak for itself. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to keep my attitude straight. I'm going to keep my, my, my facial expressions. I got some bad facial expressions, and sometimes my facial expressions will tell exactly what I'm feeling. So they tell me, Pastor Wendy, fix your face. So that means right now you're not being attractive. You're not being warming, even though in my mind I've already rationalized what in the world is going on. They tell me to fix my face. So it's like at that particular point, the evidence of my face is saying X, Y, I got to learn how to let the evidence speak for me instead of me trying to fight my own battles. All right. Let's look at a scripture reference. First Kings chapter 21. 
it goes pretty much the whole chapter, but I'm only going to cover just a few verses. Beginning at verse 1. Now, there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. One day Ahab said to Naboth, since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use for a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I'll pay for it. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. So Ahab went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall, and he refused to eat. I think I stopped there. Now, understand that someone has given you a reasonable answer of why they cannot do something. Can you pick me up um, at 5 o'clock? Well, I'm still at work until 6. You mean you can't get off a few minutes early? You know, come on now. You know, I thought we were good and all. It's like, but I'm still at work. So you want me to jeopardize my employment to take care of something you need. But here, and as, a, as the, um, the passage goes on to tell us that his wife, who was Ahab's wife? Jezebel. Jezebel. She like, <laughs> in modern day term, chump, what you doing? <laughs> he like, man, I want a neighbor, you know, and I made the man an offer. He's like, but what did he say? He said, like, you know, man, it was passed down from generation. She's like, don't worry, baby. I'm going to take care of it. (laughs) Instead of doing the right thing, he's like, well, the man said it was passed down. This is part of his family. It may mean nothing to anyone else, but it means something to him. And you cannot put a price on some things in life. But what does Jezebel do? She has letters written in Ahab's name, Mm. puts his seal on it as though, The king's seal was on these letters. They go forth. They have a trial in the court center of the town and bring forth false accusations against Naboth. In turn, the people stone him. He is killed. And then she comes home and is like, hey, baby, guess what I did? You made meatloaf? No. You rearranged my sock drawer? No. I had Naboth killed for you. Now go get the property. I could, thank you. Oh. I mean, how much selfish, how much more selfish can you be? How much more selfish can you be? That you would go to the, to the point of, of having someone killed. I mean, it, it wasn't like just in a moment of fit of rage. She planned all of this wow. out. Do we methodically think? Oh, yes, God bless you. Oh, no, I forgive. And I forget. (laughs) Until the next time. (laughs) And we have to learn how to be selfless and not selfish. Think of at the end of the day, again, by me allowing this situation to unfold the way it did, was Christ glorified? Mm Mm-hmm. Now that I have stepped back and said, no, it's more important. Even in in our marriage, she's born again, I'm born again. 
we're both believers filled with the Holy Spirit. But if I insist on having my way, is it going to create tension in the household? Or if I say, no, baby, you know something? I'm all right with that. Let's move forward. What's for dinner? So it's important that we have to look at the bigger picture. And when we take time to think about how we're going to get back at people and, and, you know, we know we we can pray some prayers. That's all right. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God bless you. (laughs) And we want to throw scriptures in there. (laughs) Anyway. So y'all get that? Y'all understand selfishness. I mean, and we can go, you know, we don't want to go too long on this, but I mean, there's so many different avenues where we can allow selfishness to come in. And you may not be able to do certain things or whatever, but think, what would Christ do? What would Christ do? And, and when he talks about what would Christ do, it said that Christ willingly laid his life down, which was a very selfless act. And so when, when you're feeling like that, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to lay your own desires down? Are you willing to lay your own life down? Are you willing to lay yourself right, lay yourself down right now for the sake of someone else? You know, um, are you willing to be walked on sometimes? Because self, selflessness, sometimes you get walked over. Yeah. You do. You get walked over. But in those times, we got to allow the Lord to shield us and protect us. Praise God. Let's go to the next one. Um, betrayal. We're going to pull down the stronghold of betrayal. What does betrayal mean? Betrayal means to violate the confidence by disclosing a secret or that which was entrusted. To violate or, or to disclose, uh, to violate confidence by disclosing a secret or that which is entrusted. I entrusted something to you. I entrusted some information to you. I entrusted my heart to you. Um, Many of you know that I've been married before and I entrusted my heart and in turn I was betrayed. Uh, um, And we'll get into what betrayal causes, but you are literally disclosing and opening yourself up and saying, look, you know, I'm yours. Uh, Let's go to the next one. Or it could be anything, money, whatever it is. It says to disclose or permit to appear what is intended to be kept a secret. Whoever has betrayed you, disclose whatever you have told them. Anybody you ever said, told somebody, look, I need to share this with you, but I don't I, I want you to keep it with yourself. And the next thing you knew, you heard it from somebody else. And you know that that was the only person that you told. Or you were going through something. And this person was the only person that knew you were going through it. And, and we, we get so spiritual sometimes. We're like, girl, I, I just need for you to agree with me in prayer about X, Y, and Z. She going through something. You're not really going to that person to say, and me and my sister was talking about it this week. You're not really going to that person to genuinely lift that person up in prayer. You're going to, to really go out and tell what they're going through. A lot of times when people say I'm praying for you, are they really praying for you? When they tell somebody, look, we, we need to lift up such and such and such. No, they really want to tell your business. And social media is good for that. 
Social media is good for putting other people's business out on the street, but yet while there, you're putting other people's business out on the street. And I know one person there, it was like, oh, I'm living the best life ever, but I know the person behind the scenes. No, it ain't. But I, I you know what? I, I didn't even, I, it was one of them times I didn't even like what they posted. Because I was like, that's hypocritical. That's a lie. I know they ain't happy. But I didn't disclose that. Anyway, it says a violation or breaking of trust, a contract or confidence between an individual group or organization. You had confidence in someone. You had confidence in that person. Confidence. And all of a sudden, that person just snatched the rug out from under you. Betrayal. Betrayal. So let's look at um, some characters in the Bible who... um, betrayed. Jesus was betrayed. He, he received the ultimate betrayal. And because he received the ultimate betrayal and he is our big brother, he is our greatest example on how to deal with betrayal. And it says that Judas agrees to what? Betray Jesus. It says then Judas Iscariot one of the 12 disciples. Now he was his road dog. He was the one that rolled with him. Ate bread, uh, ate and drank and traveled with him. He knew Jesus better than anybody else. The people who betray you, and we'll get into that. The people who betray you are the ones that's closest to you. Amen. And it says, um, one of the disciples went to the leading priest. Judas went to the priest and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? We talked about selfishness. And a lot of times we're betrayed because whatever, whoever has betrayed us, it looks greater. It looks, it's the, the reward for them is far greater than keeping our confidence, keeping their trust or their confidence with us. Sometimes the offer is greater and they walk out and they leave because what's over there on the other side of the fence looks greater. So uh, Judah says, how much will you pay me? He says, and they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. The enemy is always looking for an opportunity to bring people in your life to tear you down. Always looking for an opportunity to to break up relationships. And really, that's what it's about. It's about relationships. In order to, in building relationships, it takes trust. It takes confidence in that person to say, you know what? And I'm, I'm one that I don't let people in my inner circle too easy. I'm very guarded. And, and is it fair? No, it's not fair because sometimes my guardedness comes from the things that I have been through and the disappointments that I have gone through from other people. People disappointing me. One of the things that's important when it comes to betrayal is, and it's different for a husband and wife, but outside of your marriages, who are you sharing information Mm. with? Now, I have learned, and the Holy Spirit is just so good about this. If I go to tell somebody something, all of a sudden 20 people walk in the room, he's saying, shut up. You don't need to share it with that person. Mm. And we kind of know, you know, you want to tell someone something, And then just the Lord just will send an interruption like, oh, excuse me, I got this phone call. 
And then when you're fighting to share with that person, that's the Lord's way of saying, you don't, you don't need to talk to them. And if you do, maybe now is not the time. Maybe you're not ready because you may divulge more information. You may, you may want to go to someone and say, you know, I need you to lift me up in prayer, you know, just concerning my job and just leave it at that. But you're not telling them the whole story. But just, I need you to pray for me. So we have to be careful. But in marriage, yes, we should be able to tell each other everything. So what I like to do personally is I I, I spread my stuff. In other words, honestly, if I got $100, I'll give you 10, I'll give you 10, I'll give you 10, I'll give you 10. So nobody knows everything about me. So I can share enough that I feel comfortable with you. And again, you may get 10, but you might get 30. But when, I put all, when you put all of your eggs in one basket, and, and Jesus even says, be wise as serpent, yet harmless as doves. We have to be very careful about how we divulge, and especially when we haven't even shared it with the Lord. We haven't even said, Lord, I, I have to talk to you about this. You already know. But I need to talk to you about this and then go to those people because the Bible does tell us to confess our faults one to another that we may be healed. We have to we need to do that. That's part of the healing process is to go to people that we know that we can trust. But then again, if you are not comfortable with sharing something with someone, then don't share it. And one scripture that comes to mind, um, it talks about. Over in Revelations, it talks about that um, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so sometimes in church, and I've seen it happen, you know, we testify in church or there may, you may testify about something that you have gone through um, in, in church. And then the next thing you know, it hit the church members, used it against you. Y'all looking like, hmm, no, it happens. It happens right in church. They will use it right against you. You know, I praise God that he he did X, Y, and Z for me this week. And the next thing you know, right in the church, you're saying it because God, you're saying the goodness of God. But people will literally use what you have testified about against you. That is a form of betrayal. When you told it. Under the auspices of what you felt, your brothers and your sisters, your family, and all of a sudden, or they start acting funny towards you because you testified about something. It happens right in the church. And so what we, and and I'm saying that is because we don't want to be people that would do that. If you see someone that has gone through and that they, even in the church, have gotten prayed for whatever, don't betray their trust. Don't betray the confidence that they had in you in being willing to open their self out up and confide. It should always be a place where, you know what? This person can come to me because I can keep it. I'm not going to divulge this. Because if they don't, guess what is going to happen? They're going to go out. They're going to leave hurting. They're going to have all of that stuff bottled up and saying, who can I turn to? Pastor. Two other examples is, um, <laughs> hey, Sister Nikki, how you doing? It's like, yeah, I saw you, I saw you praying for Miss Esther. What, what was that all about? 
you know, I saw you talking to so-and-so. What, what, was, what was that conversation? I mean, it's like that's none of your business. Something, I mean, you don't need to know everything. And one other form of betrayal, and, we're, and I believe a lot of us, I'm not going to say all of us, but a lot of us are guilty of this, and where we betray the body of Christ is we go to restaurants after church. I mean, it's like it ain't no secret that you just came from church. But we go to restaurants after church and we're like, man, the choir was, man, they, they ain't do nothing right today. You know, and we, we sitting here, we bad mouthing the message. We bad mouthing the choir. We talking about who done stole money out the offering plate and all this. And we sitting right in, in the restaurant mm. in public places. And it's like, if you want to throw me under the bus, go ahead. I, I really, if you want to throw me under the bus, I don't care. But you're really throwing Christ under the bus. Because, and see, that's why, and that's why we hear too many times, it can be different subjects, and people say, see, that's why I don't go to church. Mm-hmm. See, that's why I don't go to church. And then you want to, and then you want to, we want to get all snotty snooty with the waitress or our server. And it's like, we got, we got to let our light shine. So we have to be very careful. And I don't, it's like, well, I don't do it on Sundays. Well, you do it on, we do it on another week. Let what happens in the church stay in the church. And it's not that we're a secret society, but the world doesn't need to know about, I mean, just like you don't go and share everything about your spouse and your family with people at work and everything. Everybody doesn't need to know about what's going on in church. If you're going to say anything, say it to Jesus and pray for us. Praise God. Let's turn to to Psalms 55, and we're going to go through these. 55, um, 12 and 14, through, 12 through 14, it says, Is it not an enemy who taunts me? I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. In other words, my enemies I can deal with, but instead it is you, my equal, my companion, and close friend. Verse 14. And it says, what good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house. In other words, you can deal a whole lot better when someone betrays you or when someone talks about you who you don't know. But when it's your close buddy, when it's your close friend, it has, it has a different thing to it. When they betray you, it hurts even that much more. I, couldn't, I, I can deal when someone else says it about me. But when you, whom I trusted and confided in, when you betrayed my trust, it has a different flair to it. Let's go to another verse. Psalms 41 and 9. 41 says, even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food has turned against me. I loaned you some money. I helped you. I gave you food when you didn't have nothing. And now you want to turn your back on me? And I ain't even talk. Sometimes when, it, when they're down and out, they'll be your friend. They'll be right there with you. But let them get a little bit of money in, your, in their pocket. Let them, let them get somewhere. They don't want nothing else to do with you. But you help them. You help to hold their arms up. when they couldn't even hold the arm, their own arms up. They were right there. But when they were able to get a little stronger, they didn't even come back and say thank you. They didn't even sit there and say, you know what? Look, I'm going to help you out now. Anybody ever experienced that before? It's like, but that's a form, that's a betrayal. So how do we deal with betrayal? 
when, when we are betrayed, and I, I think I put this in there, um, I didn't put this in there. When we are betrayed, a lot of times we feel abandoned. We feel anger. We feel resentment. And sometimes we often, um, Pastor Robert said it earlier, sometimes when, when, when people betray us, we get so angry that we in turn want them to feel what we feel. And, and I know that when I was betrayed to the deepest, um, I couldn't even get to that person, but I was so angry. And the scripture that I held on to so tightly was, Lord, I forgive them for they don't know how what they did made me feel. Jesus said that on the cross. He said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. A lot of times when, when we experience that anger and that the person don't know how it impacted us. And so what we have to do at that particular point, it ain't for us to go, I'm going to let them know how I feel. No. Say, Lord, you know what? I forgive them. Even though they don't know how bad it hurt me, I forgive them. And and I'm moving into some of of, uh, the ways on how we pull down the stronghold of betrayal. Let's go into... Um, praise God, Sister Pamela. It says that we have to rely on, rely on God's strength of forgiveness. Sometimes the ability for, to forgive is not within us because the hurt, it cuts so deep. And so at that particular point, we have to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to forgive them. Help me to release because if not, you're going to hold on to that anger and that anger is going to turn into bitterness. And so we have to cry out to God and say, God, that's point number two. First of all, you got to learn to rely on God's power of forgiveness in the ability to forgive. And then we have to cry out to God and say, God, please help me to release this. Because in the end, if you hold on to it, it's not doing anything but damaging you and hindering you from moving forward. It's not hindering that person that done went on. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, you running them down, does it do anything good? No, when they cut you off in traffic, they gone. And you sitting there mad. You sitting there frustrated. I ain't looking at you. I'm going to look this way. You sitting there mad and frustrated, and you talking all in your car. You got a blinker. Why you didn't use it? Oh, you just going to turn like that? Cut all the way over? (laughs) Did it do anything? Forgive. Show some mercy. It's like, you know what? Let mercy. Let it go. It's like, Sister Nick, I ain't messing with you, girl. (laughs) We just have to let it go. And then the other scripture and... for relying on the power of God's forgiveness, uh, forgiveness, Matthew 5 and 44, um, it says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who betray you. The biggest thing and the best thing that you could do is pray for the person. Love them. Love them in spite of the nastiness. Cry out to God, 55, 16, Psalms, uh, 55, 16 and 17 says, but I will call on God and the Lord will do what? He will rescue me 
Verse 17. And it says, morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress, in the pain, and the anger, and the, res- the hurt that I feel. I'm going to call out to God. Why? Because he hears my voice. And he's going to rescue me. Pastor? Uh, I believe it's Romans, the 12th chapter. It tells us, don't overcome evil with evil, mm. but overcome evil with good. Yes. If you see your own, and I'm kind of cross-referencing scriptures, you know, if you see your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. Love on him. Share with him. You know, Jesus, I believe it's Matthew chapter 5 or 6, where he says, you know, if your enemy asks you for your coat, give it to him. If they ask you to walk one mile, walk with them too. We're so quick to say, no, I ain't doing that. Well, the day that you get spit on, slapped on, beaten, and hung on the cross to die, then you have something to complain about. And I, and I keep saying you, us. We have something to really complain about. But until we get to that point, we need to, as they say, suck it up, buttercup. Because we haven't, we haven't seen those things. But at the end of Romans chapter 12, it says, in doing these things, going the extra mile, learning to forgive... It says we heap hot coals yes. upon their head. Yes. Because when, when you give somebody back something that they didn't give to you, man, don't it, don't it really feel good? To me, that's like, and I don't like to use the word vengeance, but that's like the best payback I can ever do. It's when you do me nasty is to do you right. That just, oh, man, that feels good. And, and look at First Peter uh, 3 and 9. This goes along with what Pastor Robert is saying. It says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Um, don't talk about them. Don't, don't talk junk about them. But it says, instead, pay them back with a blessing. Praying for them is a blessing. And then it says, that is what God has called you to do. When you do that, it says he will do what? He will grant you his blessings. Because at the end of the day, when you close your eyes, what matters most is what you do. When it's all said and done, you have to give an account for yourself. And so, and I love Gabe. Gabe is, Gabe is marvelous. Because I don't care what go on, Gabe, he's still smiling. He's like, it's all right. He's always encouraging. I don't care what happens. He was like, but it's okay, though. You know, and it's it, it be, and and what in in turn it causes people to to gravitate to him, and therefore because people will gravitate to him, favor is going to gravitate towards him because of that. Because of his attitude, guess what? The doors that need to be open are going to gravitate towards him, and it will gravitate towards us if we take that right mindset and say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay. It's going to be great. You, it's all right. I ain't going to talk about you. I'm going to still smile. You good. Because at the end of the day, I know it's about me being blessed. Let's look at the next one. False accusations. And this is our last one. False accusations. The definition of that, and I talked a little bit about it when I talked about the court system. It says an accusation, accusing you. Um, accusing someone um, or accusations that is contrary to fact or truth. There's no fact in it. 
There's nothing, there's no truth in it whatsoever. Um, I had a, 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 way back when I first got saved, I had someone tell me, uh, I was like, I don't want to tell my business. And that, I was like, and the, the person told me, say, you ain't got no business. Uh-huh. Yeah, they told me that I didn't have any business. In other words, really what they were trying to say, because when, when, when I was talking to them, I was complaining and fussing about because some things that were going on, they, had, they were twisting the truth. They, they weren't telling the whole thing. They didn't really know what I was going through and what I was dealing with. So they were wrongly accusing me. And so what I was trying to do was go and set the facts straight. And they were, they were like, you ain't got no business. Don't worry about that. Don't, you don't have to go and try to fight that. It's like, let the Lord fight your battles. Let the Lord speak to you. And, but it was like, I, my desire was to prove that I was right. My desire was to prove the truth. So I just had to say that. Let's turn to first Peter. Anybody ever been there before? You want to try to prove your, your right to be truth, even on the job. All the time, Paul said. First Peter 3 and 16, it says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Actions speak louder than words. What you do, your character, how you carry yourself will speak far louder and greater than you trying to defend yourself. Defend who you are. Pastor. The next one, it says, um, there's some people, uh, uh, I want to deal, Joseph. Everybody know the story of Joseph. Joseph was betrayed um, he, it says as a servant, he was accused of raping the wife of his master Potiphar. He was thrown in jail. And this was, was, was many of the, one of the many things that he suffered unjustly that Joseph didn't even touch the man's wife, but yet he was accused and things happened to him because he was wrongly accused. But we can look at Joseph on how to deal with betrayal. He still went and did what he was called to do. Even in jail, he he preached and he prophesied and he talked about dreams and all of that. He let his character speak for him, even though he was wrongly accused and put into a bad place. We look at David. David, um, he proved himself to have courage and integrity, but was falsely accused by King Saul. And because a lot of times when people, when people wrongly accuse you or they bring accusations or they talk about you and they don't even know what they're talking about, a lot of times it's because of their own insecurity. A lot of times it's because of them and they are seeing what you're doing and they're envious of you and what they're doing. And so the best thing that they could try to do is tear you down. Because they're jealous of you and they really want to be doing what you're doing. But they don't have the get up and go like you do. And so they rather just talk about you. So let's look at how to deal with uh, wrong accusations. It says God has the power and the know-how to make the truth be known. Luke 6 and 28 gives us that. 
Luke 6, 28, um, I said it before. It says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. Pray for them. Allow God to be your defense attorney. Allow God to be your defense attorney. A lot of times when people accuse, they have, they're the judge, they're the jury, and the prosecuting attorney. And, and they have already created a verdict against you as being wrong or being X, Y, and Z. But what you have to do is just hold your peace and allow the Lord to what? To fight your battles. And sometimes that holding our peace is so hard. It is hard, y'all. When you know that you've done everything in your power to love that person, to encourage that person, and they betray you. They wrongly accuse you. They hurt you. Um. As she was talking, it was when we talk about um, and how do I want to say this? You're going to a, a church meeting. Like yesterday, we went to a workshop on praise and worship. I mean, it was just just outstanding. But you pull up in the parking lot, and you're like, oh, I'm just believing God for a good parking space. The favor of God is on my life. It's like, well, <laughs> he's on everybody's life in this environment. And we keep looking, you know, for, these, for God to open doors, you know, amongst other people. And, and we think that we are in such a high place when God is saying, I'm no respecter of person." And so we, we can oftentimes, you know, push on to other people, well, you know, this is what God has for me because I'm this and I'm that. And God's saying, no, that's not. That's not the case here. You know, because if we were in the marketplace doing what we were supposed to be doing, then you can say, well, I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you because God wants to do something for you in your life. But see, we want to practice church in church. Instead of practicing, you know, church in the marketplace. And I use the word loosely, practice. But we, don't, we want to perform signs, wonders, and miracles in the church. And so, too many, we get too comfortable. And when we're talking about the betrayal, we get too comfortable because we are so involved with one another within the church. Instead of getting more involved with the people out in the world. Because... As we, as uh, Pastor Wendy was saying earlier, the um, how'd you put it? Um, I don't know what I'm saying, <laughs> but we get so comfortable with each other. Yeah, the betrayal part when you when you um, you expect that to, you expect to be betrayed from people from yes, the world right. or accused or accused from people from the world. But, you, but see, that's where we're supposed to be working. But we want to. We want that job per se. We want that position that allows us to work from home. Amen. Amen. We want to. We want to work from home. <laughs> we want to come to church and lay hands on people. We want to bless other people in the body of Christ. And yeah, I'm supposed to look out for my brother and sister. But then when other people need us, we're like, no, I can't do that for you. Well, why not? 
Isn't this what, isn't this what Jesus did? So that's, that's it. Let's stand to our feet. Praise the Lord. The main thing that we're trying to drive home through this sermon series and probably next week will be 